The Yankees put a Band-Aid on their gaping wound of a season by winning the back end of their doubleheader against the Mets and avoiding a sweep. The team continues to yearn for their past on the back of their baseball cards while their presence still festers to the tune of a 10-game deficit in the AL East. We'll discuss an absolutely brutal stretch as the Bombers get set to play three against the Mariners in Seattle starting on Tuesday. 98.7 ESPN radio host and friend of the show Chris Carlin will try to make sense of it all. Next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees great Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, as well during the show and how many calories he went through in the Legends Suite over this past week. And follow us on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran, yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. ESPN Radio New York host in front of the program, Chris Carlin, will join us later in the podcast. But first, the Yankees, it's funny, Nelly, because um, I filled in for Meredith Morakovitz last night and Nestor Cortez came out for his postgame interview and he meant to say salvage, but he said sabotage uh, when, he, <laughs> when he was talking about the game he won. So the Yankees have been basically sabotaging their season. They can't get out of their own way. We talk about this every time we come on. They're not balanced throughout the lineup. When their pitching's on, their lineup isn't. When their lineup's on, their pitching isn't. But they are in a awful way right now. Just a game over 500. They have a day off as we tape this here on a Monday before they go out to your old stomping grounds to face the Mariners for three games out there. But uh, they are not in a good place right now, Nelly. No, you mentioned the stretch that they have coming up on the open. And, you know, Seattle's not a pushover anymore. They have some really good young players. They're going to get Kikuchi, who's an all-star, their left-handed starter, uh, the second game on, what is that, Wednesday. Uh, they're not at their 45. They have a better record than New York. Then they go into Houston, and Houston is playing outstanding baseball. And then they get Boston. They see Boston twice before the month ends. And they get Philadelphia. They get Tampa Bay. This is a stretch that pretty much might convince Hal Steinbrenner to be a seller instead of what he said about maybe going and extending over that luxury tax. It's it's very alarming. And we're going to talk to Chris Carlin about the spider tax, but watching Chapman over the last few outings, can you explain to me how a 4-7-1 ERA is an all-star? Did they pick the all-star team back in back in May? Because I, 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 don't, I, I don't remember them ever doing that. You, you know, I thought they picked the all-star game about a week before the all-star game, and guys that are on it actually deserve to be on it. I don't think Chapman, I'm sorry, Chapman does not deserve to be on the all-star team. It, it's a good first half, not a good first couple months. And to be honest, I don't think Garrett Cole deserves to be on the all-star team either. I think the only representative should be Aaron Judge. He was voted in as a starter. So he's the one that should be the only New York Yankee instead of adding Cole and Chapman. But to get back to the spider attack, I'm just going to say this is very alarming to me. Uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I thought, okay, you know, this is just something they're, you know, they're going to have to find, have to find a different way to get a grip on the baseball. I did didn't know that it was going to be such an issue with their breaking pitch and how it is taking away not just those two guys around the league it's taken away the spin rate or the break the nasty break that both of these guys had on their breaking ball can they adjust I I don't know 
I really don't know when you're used to throwing a certain way and you're not used to putting that torque on your elbow and snapping your wrist as hard as you can like we did. It could be an issue. It could be a big issue. Everybody nowadays is all about analytics. They're all about the numbers. I don't know how you could talk about these two guys. And and you're right, by the way, with Chapman. I I thought it was kind of comical, actually, that after those performances in game one against the Mets, it's announced after the game that they're both going to the All-Star game. It was kind of weird. But you have to look at the numbers since the rumbling started. I'm not saying since the rule took effect. Since the rule took effect... Cole is pitching to an ERA over five. Since the rumblings of the rules that were going to be in effect, his ERA is over four. So alarming is a good word because Cole is a Yankee through 2027. So you got a lot of years left of him making $36 million. And if if he needed this sticky stuff to be what he was in Houston, then it's going to be a long career here with the Yankees. Now, look, It's a small sample size. It's a small amount of time, but you still have to start ringing those alarm bells that you said. And Jeff, it's not like the Yankees aren't scoring runs for these guys. I worked up some numbers. And do you know the the, the pitcher with the best record in his starts, not win-loss-wise personally getting decisions, but win-loss-wise for the team when he goes out there. In the 16 starts, Monty has gone out there. They're 11-5. and It's Montgomery. Cole... He has 17 starts. They're eight and nine in Cole starts. Just to like flip the script and make Jake feel a little happy and and maybe put a smile on his face. The Mets are 10 and four when DeGrom starts. Tyone, they're six and nine. Herman, they're eight and seven. Kluber, they're six and four. King, they're two and four. But every starter, everyone besides Kluber, the Yankees offense is scoring over four runs per game. It's amazing that with that bullpen and with these starting pitchers, I mean, you're scoring over four runs a game and, and this is who you are. I, I just don't get it. And pitching was supposed to be their strength going into the season. Right. And, and right. now, you know, you have some very inconsistent starters. And now with this spider tack or this tacky stuff that's being taken away from Cole, you know, I don't like doing it because, you know, you look at this, you look at the steroid area. And they're like, oh, you know, these guys stuck a needle in their butt and their numbers went through the roof. You know, you're still a great athlete. You still have to be a baseball player. You still have to hit the round ball. Uh, You know, steroids are not going to make you a a great athlete. It's going to give you a little bit more power. You're going to have maybe a little bit better numbers, but home run numbers. I mean, look at Mark McGuire. He said, you know, if it wasn't for this stuff, I probably wouldn't have been able to stay on the field. You know, maybe a lot of guys are in the same boat. I mean, you look at this tacky stuff and it's around the league and all of a sudden they take that away and now they have to go out so-called naked. I was, you know, I was texting Sweeney Murdy. I was, I didn't want to respond to his text on his text. I mean, through a text chain. So I just texted him. I said, you know, this is alarming. I said, you know, you have a guy that's signed in coal over 300 some million dollar contract. And now all of a sudden you take away a weapon that maybe that's what he used to get that contract. I hope not. I I mean, I really hope not. I hope it's something that, you know, it's a quick fix or it's a fix over time that he's going to have to adjust. And hopefully it doesn't cause an injury that he has to adjust with it. But if this is how he got his contract, I think he's still a great pitcher. But at the same time, if this is what helped him dial it in and and dot a gnat in the ass with his fastball and he had a nasty breaking ball, you know, where is that? Is this how Chapman made his living? I mean, 100 miles an hour, and he has no idea where it's going. And his slider is the worst. Those two sliders that he gave up, the Grand Slam and also the one to Alonzo, those are spinners. They're hanging. I mean, they're, they're one. I can throw that slider now. You know, that's how bad it is. That's what's alarming. It's not just how the team is playing. 
it's now all of a sudden your two best pitchers are are, are pooping the bed all over the place. I mean, you mentioned <laughs> Cole's ERA. Chapman, Chapman's ERA is like 14 and a half over that time. 14 and a half. Your closer is 14 and a half over the last couple of weeks. I mean, how's that happen? I just love the fact that you went Adam Sandler there and you called the S poop. <laughs> um, yeah. And the other thing is the Yankees in their last 30 games are 13 and 17 and the Red Sox are 21 and nine. That's the other alarming thing. And the other alarming thing, Nelly, is something that you keep bringing up almost every podcast because we keep seeing the Red Sox go north while the Yankees continue to go on a southward trend. They're getting a certain lefty back. Maybe after the All-Star break, even. He might even face the Yankees after the All-Star break. And getting Chris Sale back in that rotation, this team isn't going to go, you know, nothing's going to happen negatively getting Chris Sale back. That's for damn sure. And uh, the early returns from his um, rehabs, as you said, uh, he's looking pretty good. So that's also bad news for the Yankees. And I I know they have a righty-heavy lineup. But when they face a dominant pitcher, it's not good. It's almost lights out. But that's that's the thing. And and we heard the owner, Hal Steinbrenner, say he's not going to sell. I think he may have rushed that a little bit. We'll talk about that with Chris Carlin from ESPN New York in just a couple of minutes as well. But I don't see how you can make that declaration when you have 16 games around the All-Star break against teams that A, you're chasing in the standings or you're trying to match in the Houston Astros who are running away with the AL West or starting to run away with the AL West. Uh, the A's did have control of that. Now it's Houston because they're playing out of their minds right now, leading the major leagues in almost every freaking category. But when you have those 16 games, you don't know where you're going to be. The last game against Tampa in that 16-game stretch with Houston, the Red Sox, the Phillies, the Red Sox again, and the Rays. After that stretch, you're at July 29th. And in those 16 games, if you play negative 500 baseball and you're not going to sell, you're going to try to add to this, that that's a scary proposition, Nelly. Well, I, I think he comes out and, you know, I don't think you can really say, hey, we're going to, we're a seller right now. And you're an owner. You, you got to, you got to try to throw some positive vibes back at the fans and, and at least let you're them right. know you're hey sell too many tickets if you're yeah. selling on, you know july yeah, i mean they were already struggling with attendance they did have a good a, a good series against the mets so hopefully that continues maybe throughout the summer you know fans are going to get frustrated if they continue to play this way because they're just not going to come out to the ballpark they'd rather do something else but you know in order to put fans in the stands you got to say something positive and say hey you know what we're going to go over the threshold because that's all you kept reading is that the yankees were afraid to go past that luxury tax at 210 million that they they weren't going to do that and they were going to have to try to find something or be creative in their trade so they didn't have to go over. And then Hal Steinbrenner says they are going to go over or they're willing to do that. Uh, You know, they're not just one player away. They're many players away. And like you mentioned, maybe by the end of July, they're going to be out of it. Maybe they're 15 games out of it. And then, you know, there's probably no hope because then there's too many teams to try to overtake. And especially in the wild card, what are they, five games out of the wild card right now? And even that could be uh, an impossible 
feat for them. And, and maybe they do with something like when they traded Chapman and, 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 you know, they got back some decent players and they, and they still had a successful season. So maybe they do something like that. Let me, let me put you on the spot here uh, before we start talking about our producers calorie intake at the subway series and the legend suites. Uh, I do have to ask you this because it's, it was put out there by Jeff Passan uh, and a couple other people beat Passan to the punch before he even brought it up before the ESPN game on Sunday night. And I'll give my former colleague from Yes all the credit in the world, Lou DiPietro, uh, who now works for WFAN. He he brought it up before Passan. And that's, do you trade Aaron Judge? Because right now the Yankees have to look in the mirror and say, are we going to give this guy a long-term deal? Are we going to give this guy millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to be a Yankee for the rest of his career? And then what does that do if we have him and Giancarlo Stanton here? Why not try to sell him? And I'm not even going to say sell high because Aaron Judge is at his highest level almost every year. I know he's had injury issues, but he's played almost every freaking game this season. Why not try to sell him? Why not try to sell Gary Sanchez now at the height, you know, sell high? You know, not to go trading places on you, Nelly, but why not sell high while while you can and try to get pieces back to make this team more fundamentally sound and more athletic? I, I think there's a chance. Uh, you know, you look at the history of what Judge has done as far as games played. He hasn't really been consistent as far as staying on the field. Are you willing to give a guy a long-term contract when you know there could be an occasion where he spends a month on the IL? I mean, is that is that something that the Yankees are willing to do And as far as paying him millions of dollars? He also is an older player. Do you go that route? Because, what is he? He's going to be 31 by the time he hits free agency? 31, 32? That, that's old. I mean, that's, that's basically a four-year contract you're getting. If you're thinking you're getting any more than that or if the Yankees would give him any more that than that you know I, I don't know I don't know if you go that direction Sanchez right now is he's having a good month I, I just don't know if that's consistent enough to warrant a, a long-term deal so maybe you do go out and trade him maybe at the end of July this question will already be answered saying you know what we're going to go out and we're going to we're got to move them we might be able to get some good young players that our minor league system is not that great we've seen some guys that are come up and they're not impact players they're not the you don't see the Posadas the Riveras the Pettits the Jeters you have and Bernie Williams you don't see those type of players that are coming up to the Yankees and making an impact like they did maybe you get those type of guys uh, maybe you revamp your infield and get Torres back at second base and see what he can do there and see if that's the position where he's going to put up good numbers because he's done that in the past he's just not putting up good numbers as a shortstop it's something that I think a lot of it's going to be answered in the next couple weeks I don't see where this team is is built to be a playoff team or is built to add I think there are way too many players away from from a playoff spot and I also I actually believe you know everybody says that you know it's going to be really hard to trade Stan well the only way to trade him you're going to have to pick up a lot of his contract I still think in the wintertime there's a West Coast team whether it's the Dodgers whether it's the Padres whether it's the Angels or someone that are actually going to want him and maybe try to pry him away. No, you don't have to pry him away. Maybe the Yankees can try to explore that in the winter. I, they're not going to be able to, I don't think they're going to be able to do it in this next month. But I think there's a chance you could probably move Stanton to a West Coast team. You could potentially do that, but I think it's seriously time. And, you know, I keep saying the 16 games around the All-Star break, but it's actually 19 because you brought up a great point. The Mariners are not a pushover, and they're ahead of the Yankees in the wild card race. So the Yankees aren't going out to Seattle to face a, 
a Mariner team that they're just going to push around out there in the Pacific Northwest. This is going to be a battle too. And Yankee fans, pay attention. If you're listening to this podcast right now, the next 19 games on your schedule around the All-Star break are going to make or break this ball club. They're a game over 500. They are not getting fat when they should get fat. But you know who is getting fat? Our producer. Jake Brown, I could hear him getting fatter right now because he was in the legend suite, not once, but twice over the weekend against the Mets. Getting fat would be putting it nicely because I thought I already was fat. (laughs) Uh, I mean, as soon as you mentioned the calorie intake, I actually lifted my leg up to let a fart out. Uh, So your timing was impeccable there. Yeah, the uh, I didn't do the numbers, but it was just I mean, you put thank you for muting, by the way. Yeah, I I didn't want to let it put it right into the microphone. It uh, it went towards my bed. So, yeah, I mean, it was you're losing roommates. One down. <laughs> See if we can find a replacement. Yeah, the when they put that much out, it is well, let me tell you this first off, you about the fan atmosphere. Because I go to these games, I like to provide what, what the stadium is like, what the fans are like. Forty thousand plus, forty two thousand on Sunday, the biggest crowd of the year at both games, which was great to see. The energy was off the charts. Obviously, the Mets being relevant makes these better series. Usually it's one sided. Yankees are in first, Mets are six games back in the wild card, trying to fight for a spot. It was flip flopped. You sense the frustration from Yankee fans when Chapman came in. They play that music of uh, the alarms going off, and I think there were other kinds of alarms going off in fans' heads. The guy in front of me like, please, why didn't you keep in Chad Green? That was a topic after the game. He only threw two pitches. He gave him three in the nightcap to salvage and not sweep, but Chad Green could have stayed in and closed that game. Atmosphere great. Place was packed. They took everyone's parking money on Friday, uh, made sure to get every dollar they could, but uh, I did get to see you guys. Saw Strawberry, saw Layritz. Um, so Friday was fun, but when they put out Lobster, shrimp prime rib lamb sliders hot dogs chicken fingers pizza fries cookies cupcakes soda water i'm probably forgetting about sushi i'm probably forgetting about 10 things it is almost like they need a diabetes diagnosis on the spot they need a medical professional in the legends club because there is an exorbitant amount of food they should just they should just put a cutout of wilford brimley by the buffet <laughs> just as a reminder <laughs> but there was two buffets they're like he got two he got two in my uh arnold schwarzenegger jingle all the way voice it was unbelievable how much the spread i have to say it blows city field away with how much they put out there uh you know we saw evan roberts friday so the, the, some of the fan people CeeLo, those guys and everyone was just eating and I had about four plates. I forgot I had chicken wings yesterday, Cracker Jacks, Ring Pops, popcorn. Any you might as well put all that in a blender and blend it all up. Hook up an IV to yourself. Just sit, and that way you don't have to go anywhere. And just have the waitress <laughs> just have the waitress keep changing the bag, keep changing the bag. You just sit there and enjoy the game, and you're getting fed through an IV all this food. I got a better one, Nelly. It'd be better for the podcast. How about a horse feeder? <laughs> he could just bend his head down. We had four long plates long. sitting in the empty seat next to us. It was the, we needed a, a fifth ticket for all the plates. Uh, now, that girl, you had a picture on Twitter, and I, did that girl know that you were dipping? She was dipping her hair in your food. I mean, it looked like mustard or whatever it was at the end of her hair. She had no clue the person that was sitting in front of you. Yeah, I don't know. Well, there's a Met fan in front of me too. But I, I I hope I didn't bother the girl in front of us. And how about how about Sarah McCrory? Uh, she she lost her bet with you too. Yeah. So. 
no no Mets nail polish for me. Thank God that would have been uh, a low moment of of my pretty low life but uh you know she'll have it she wore the shirt and i look like in the picture after the game with her like i gained the weight during the game i mean my gut was hanging out of uh my shorts so great weekend lots of food i'm gonna try and take a break today and uh good luck to my and figgy figgy on that picture looked like you know your shirt the picture you guys were like skinny in the picture and by the end of the night even your shirt the pictures on your shirt gained weight It's been a long season of eating in the stadium, so the shirt's gaining the weight with me. We're joining Joey in together. Chest, Joey Chestnut has nothing on paper. You know, one thing real quick, and just to get back get back to the Yankees, guys, you know, there's one, and, and I, being a part of it, there's one team in all of baseball that all the other 29 teams love to beat. And this is the only team, and that's the New York Yankees. Every single, all 29 teams get it up to play the Yankees, and they want to beat them no matter how bad they are or no matter how good they are. They want to beat the Yankees. Who is going to deal with the Yankees to make them better? That's the question that I always ask myself. If everyone loves beating these guys, who is gifting Brian Cashman with not player but players to get this team over the hump and to get this team where they need to be? My answer to that is no one. They also need to make up a fake injury for Chapman at this point. I mean, the, he, you the, have to sit him. I mean, he is a liability out there. I will say this. You just said. I would make up one just so he doesn't go to the All-Star game. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, but you don't want him at the All-Star game either. You don't want him exposed even more. I, I would make up the injury before the damn All-Star game happens. But having said that. I did not disagree with bringing him in in that game one against the Mets. You need to get him out there. He hadn't pitched in like four or five days. You had to get him out there. You had to get his confidence back. And good for Kyle Higashioka. He took, he fell on the sword in the post game. He said that was his fault. That slider, that's on him. But, uh, and John Flaherty told, said it in the post game too. As a catcher, you have to be banging your glove on the ground. You need to hit the ground with this pitch. You can't be set up middle-middle for a slider. And uh, credit to Higgy, he, he took That seventh inning was a truly anchorman, boy, that escalated quickly, Brooke killed a guy yeah. moment. It was like the Mets killed two guys, Lucas Lickie and Aroldis Chapman. It was a that it came out of nowhere. In two minutes, it went from uh, 6-5 to 10-6, whatever. Well, I lost track. Well, the Yankees should be thankful they only went seven innings in the second game, and they might have lost that one, too. Yeah, well, they should be thankful the Mets threw Corey Oswald, which a lot of people were ripping me on Twitter. Oh, they didn't have any other options. You know, they could have went with... I'm like, well, they could have went McGill on normal rest instead of pitching him on Monday. They could have, you know, started with an opener, with a loop, with a, with a May, with a Castro, but Oswald, everyone wants to defend. They said, listen, he pitched well. He only gave up the one homer, and, and he pitched well for the Mets, and uh, the bats uh, were their usual selves. Let's be honest. That home run that he gave up, that was an – I mean, where, where Urshela caught up to that and where he put it, I mean, that was just a great swing on a, on a pretty good pitch. He just hit it out. Pitching well is going four innings, giving up three runs. That's pitching well. Nowadays, For yeah. Corey Oswald yeah. standards, yes. It was, that's not, he's in not Roy. In a, a seven-inning game, that's a quality start, Nelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how the times have changed. Yep. All right, boys. Friend of the program, ESPN Radio 98.7 New York host, Chris Carlin will join us next here on the Pinstripe Pod to try to make sense of the New York Yankees.
Joining us now, Chris Carlin, of course, the host of Carlin on ESPN New York from 6.30 to 10, and he fills in all over the schedule. He's the voice of Rutgers football, worked at SNY, Emmy Award winner, pants wearer, hair loss survivor, just like the rest of us here on this podcast. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it, pal. Wow, it is it is so wonderful to be among my people. <laughs> it is gorgeous. Yeah, well, well, hold on. If you talk to Nelly, it's it's choice. Uh, yeah, it is can, choice. I, I don't like go. gray, so I shave it. <laughs> really? I don't know. That's, that's that feels a little fugazi. To me. I don't know. <laughs> but the Yankees facing the Mariners, hairless in Seattle, featuring us for yes. make uh, for a hell of a sequel. <laughs> All we need is Hanks and uh, what's-her-face, Meg Ryan, and we're good to go. And the Mariners have a better record than the Yankees, so watch oh, out. Oh, here we go. All right. <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about why you're here, Chris, and that, that is this New York Yankees team that we just can't figure out. Uh, and at this point, it's basically pick your GIF, right? It's the dog in the kitchen with everything on fire around him saying, this is fine. That's for the kids. For us middle-aged folks, remain calm. All is well. It's like Kevin Bacon in Animal House. So I really can't figure this out. And I know you have your finger on the pulse, especially on your radio show, obviously. But is this head scratching for you too? I never thought it would get to this level. I certainly didn't think that they were a well-constructed team. But this is an absurd level of where they are right now. And I, I can't get out. I mean, the Yankees are 10 games out as we record this right now. That's unbelievable to me in the division. Now, still obviously right in the mix of the wild card, but I'm completely thrown off by the fact that they are so poor with runners in scoring position that they are, are so poor with runners on base, period. You know, their pitching has been good enough to really be better than this, except for what's happened with Chapman of late. I wasn't as concerned about Cole until some pitches were hanging pretty good on Sunday, but it's amazing to me that we've reached this level, even with some of the injuries that they've had. You know, Chris, I texted the guys yesterday after I saw Cole's outing and then again, Chapman's outing. And I I never, we didn't have the spider tack and the Pelican grip when I played, you know, it was mainly you you just use rosin and spit. Some guys would use some different stuff, but it wasn't, it wasn't really, you didn't really have to try to get a grip on the baseball. The baseball was normal and it was now it's a little soapier, poutier, whatever it is. So, you know, you might need to get a grip, but I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I didn't think, okay, you're taking this stuff away. Their pitches are still going to be the same. And it's not just, it's, it's not just Cole and, and Chapman, but it's league-wide you've seen results when you've taken away this sticky stuff. And now I see these guys pitch, and they went from being elite to average, and that's concerning to me. I hope they can snap out of it. Maybe they can make an adjustment. But they all of a sudden went to elite guys, the best two pitchers on their team, to average guys. Nelly, if you could explain this to me, please do, because I'm looking at this with Chapman, and he just looks completely wrecked at the fact that he can't put his fastball anywhere near where he wants to. And then yesterday, when seemingly it feels like he might have been able to do that in the first, at least two out of the first three pitches to Alonzo, somehow leans back on a on a slider. I, I couldn't get over that. We, Chris, we talk about this all the time, and they even talked about it uh, on the Yes broadcast, and I give them credit for it, Michael, David, and Paul O'Neill. 
And you have to be able to read swings. And Nelly talks about this constantly and on a previous pitch. And, and it, hasn't, it wasn't just a previous pitch. It was in every game that the Yankees and Mets play. Every at-bat, I should say, that Alonzo had. He couldn't catch the high fastball. Chapman just blows that fastball by him up in the zone. He couldn't catch up to it. And to get beat on that pitch, I'm sitting on my couch saying, how are you getting beat on that pitch? Just like he got beat on the pitch in the playoffs with Altuve. It, it just, we just talked about not having hair. I want to pull the rest of my now. Well, the, yeah, there's a few things. And that's, that's one of them because they've been so robotic. Have you seen over the years that analytics have really, you know, I think there's room for it. I think that, you know, always information is, is sometimes good. You know, sometimes it's 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 not good. And in, th- in this case, these pitchers, and I look around the league, and I, I especially watch the Yankees, obviously, they're very robotic. You know, whether they're looking in their, in their hat or in a card in their back pocket and it's telling them what sign when they need to, need to go and, and relay it to the catcher with a guy on second base, or they have all these things. Well, this guy hits 150 on a slider. Oh, in this count, you got to make sure that you throw sliders and don't throw anything else because he's looking dead red. Well, you, you, they don't ring, they don't read swings anymore because they are very robotic. They're, they're told what to do by a computer. The first thing is when Zach Britton comes out and says, oh, well, we're pitching against the Astros so many times they're going to know how we pitch them. They're going to know how they get we get them out. Time out. I, you know, I, I go into a series and I've said this many a times, and I got to face Frank Thomas. If I face, if I go into Chicago four times, I'm going to face him all four times. But I'm going to try to get him out maybe sometimes differently because I got to read what he's doing against me, not what the computer says or not what the what the card says. And another thing with the tack, and we talked about this. Jake and Chris and I went to the game on, you know, I met them at the game on Friday. I did, I did an appearance. Finally, things are coming back at Yankee Stadium before they rained out, and we were with Nelson Figueroa, and he brought up a good point that he was he teaches has pitching lessons. And this kid came up, and he had the spider tack on his on his fingers, and he says we don't have to snap our wrist as much as we used to to get the ball to break at a good rate the spin rate. And when we were pitching, we had, I mean, I snapped my slider. I had a big slider, slurve, whatever you called it. It threw about 78 to 81. And I snapped it as hard as I could. And most guys that threw breaking balls, that had good breaking balls, they're snapping their wrist as hard as they could to, could to get that good spin rate, to get that good break down and away or wherever they threw it. Now they didn't have to. I'm starting to see maybe that's one of the reasons why that that's this breaking ball. I've never seen sliders from Chapman as bad as I have over the last few games. And also Cole, not just a fastball command, but their spin rate. The, the breaking ball is not nearly as sharp as it used to be. Maybe they don't know how to snap their wrists like they have. Maybe glass now. Maybe that was something. Oh, they took the tack away, and now I really have to uh, you know, snap my wrist, and I blew out because of it. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up, right? A few weeks ago on the show, I had Jerry Blevins on, and we were talking about this, obviously, recently in the minor leagues, uh, right before he retired. And he said, you know, in the big leagues is spider tack everywhere. It's not every single guy. But if you go in the minor leagues now, all the young pitchers are absolutely doing it. And now that's got to change. So these are guys that have not known any differently. And that's that's kind of, um, that's a little bit alarming, to tell you the truth, that that now they're going to have to adapt and do that as they're coming up and, and learn how to, and I think Tyler's, when he said that, I did not blink at that. I was not shocked that that would be the case. And I mean, I, I just think mentally, you've got guys that haven't had to do this, that have had this incredible success. I I don't know with Chapman whether it was 
more about spin rate or, you know, on the S post game, they pointed out that he's completely abandoned the splitter at this point. I don't know if that's part of it or, or what I just, it just feels like to me, it was grip with him that like, it seems like it's just completely left him mentally shot. I don't know. The but, guy, the guy also sweats buckets and, and yeah. it's, it's always going to make you raise your eyebrows, especially his ERA over his last, what, five, six outings. It's, it's unbelievable. The disparity between his first half of the season and his second half of the season, Nelly actually left out the best part of that uh, figgy story. And that was the fact that the kid told the catcher low and away from a righty. And then he fires the ball and it goes over the catcher's head by about 10 feet. <laughs> but the kid says, oh, but look at my RPMs. They're 300 more than the last pitch. I, I just, I, I don't like, and it's another thing we talked about when we were sitting there eating. And I think it's worth getting into because you just talked to Blevins, Chris. And what I hear from minor league people constantly year after year is that they keep promoting these guys. It's velocity over command. It's spin rate over anything else. They don't teach these guys how to pitch anymore. When you're looking at a doubleheader between the Yankees and Mets yesterday, and the Yankees had two of their best pitchers on their roster in a loss, and we're talking about Nestor Cortez as being one of the stars, something is very wrong here. Yeah. And look, that stuff, I think Jeff hit on it earlier. The paralysis by analysis as it is. Just so much information that just go out and pitch and, and go out and try to figure out what you're seeing. And in working with Bobby O, as long as they did on the pre and post game, like the reading swings is something that as a fan, you don't necessarily look at, but you really come to understand just how important it is. Really just out thinking who you're going up against. And that is just a, a lost art at this point, it seems. And in the grand scheme, this right now is disastrous for them. Like, where is the real stretch coming here where they're going to not just go, you know, eight out of 10 and then go back and lose, you know, six of eight or something like that, because that that seems to be the trend. But where is the the 15 of 20 stretch coming? Because, you know, you're looking at the Mariners, you're looking at the Astros before the break, and then eight out of 10 in the second half, it's the Red Sox right away. So, and Rays, don't yeah. forget about Rays. Yeah, and <laughs> they're going to be I – don't, I don't see how this team, you know, they come out and say, okay, we, we might be able to go with a luxury tax, but I don't know how this team is going. They're not just one player away. They're many a players, and they're also trying to fix their two best pitchers in Chapman and Cole. And if it has something to do with the sticky stuff, Stuff, then these guys are average pitchers at best, and that's that's very alarming. Now you just mentioned, you know, about reading swings. You know, I watched Greg Maddox, and the first time I ever saw him was in the '96 World Series, and I watched him pitch against us. And you know, I watched him. I was like, this guy is unbelievable. He's outthinking what the hitters. He knows exactly what these guys are looking for, and he pitches the exact opposite. Next next time around, the second time around, the same thing. Third time around, I'm like, this guy is like, I, I mean, how does he do it? I mean, he's he knows exactly what they're looking for, and he's going the opposite way. And, you know, a, a catcher has a lot to do with that as well. A catcher also is behind her. Sometimes a pitcher will get set in his way so much that they, ought to, they, they just get the ball, they're back on the rubber, and they're ready to go. And a catcher kind of slows them down in some sense, a good one anyway. And that's why I think sometimes you see these personal catchers because they're, they, they work so well with that guy behind the plate because they think as well. 
they're thinking along with with the pitcher. They're like, oh, you know what? This guy really looked bad on this slider, or this guy had no clue that you were throwing a fastball. We're going to come back with another one. Well, you know, the computer doesn't say that. The computer says, you know what? We're going to throw this guy sliders because he throw he hits 125. Well, how do you get to that 125? You just can't throw slider, slider, slider because he's eventually going to hit that ball. You know, you got to try to set that pitch up, and these guys don't know how to do it. And you look at Sanchez, you look at Hagasioka. Are they reading swings as well? You know, it, it's just as much in some sense as these guys because they're the hitter's right next to them as far as reacting to the pitches. And you're not seeing that. And, and it's not just the Yankees. It's league-wide, especially if they're taking this tacky stuff away and guys aren't using it and they're checking all the time. You know, it, it's very alarming to me. And and I don't know where the Yankees go with this. You know, now they're, they're a mediocre team at best. Okay, so here's what I want to know, though. Okay, I'm looking at some numbers this morning. And the Yankees have taken this approach, the the three true outcomes at the plate, all that stuff. And I'm looking at the good teams. All right, the Rays strike out a ton, but they hit well situationally. They score, I think they're seventh or eighth in runs scored. They don't necessarily hit a ton of home runs, but it's part of their arsenal. And I'm looking at who's the team that is supposedly the one that does this better than anybody. It's the Astros, right? Well, the Astros are dead last in strikeouts. They have the fewest in baseball. They lead in runs scored. They are fourth in walks. Their OPS leads all of baseball with 794, and they're second in home runs. Compute that for me, because if they're outthinking everyone, they're they're incorporating it all in there. The Even the Blue Jays are, are doing those kinds of things that you're supposed to do. They don't strike out a ton. It doesn't have to be a strikeout. They're like... I think they're fourth from the bottom in, in strikeouts this year, but they score a ton of runs. Listen, Chris and Jeff, we, we, we've seen this every year, but we, we usually see this out of the Yankees when it counts the most. And that's in the playoffs. That's where they usually get exposed. But now they're getting exposed throughout the regular season. And if you look at their record against teams that are above 500, who used to say you are what your record says you are? Was that Parcells? I mean, that is what... This Yankee team is right now. You could talk until you're blue in the face about the back of the baseball cards. Well, I'll tell you something right now. If it continues this way this season, they're not going to want to refer to the back of their freaking baseball cards from 2021 because I don't know how this could happen. I don't think I've ever seen it in my life before. Where Now, look, I'm taking Judge out of this equation because he's been the most consistent guy. He's missed five games all year. I know he's taken some nights off, but he's missed five games. He is a baseball player. He, you know, he, he changes his approach at the plate. And, and I know I'm going all over the place here, but my mind is just, it's a bowl of soup that has been eaten and thrown back up. And I can't take this anymore. Tim Locastro, I've been waiting all freaking season to see a Yankee change his approach with two strikes. And Tim Low freaking Castro is the first Yankee that I've seen when he had two strikes, he chokes up on the bat. He shortens up. He hits a sack fly. Tim Locastro, that's the guy. Well, it kind of leads us to this, right? Where are we here? What exactly are you supposed to do here? Because I, I think all of us agree that in the next few weeks, nothing is going to change considerably. So are we at that 2016 point? Right. And here's what I want to ask you, because I know we have to get you out of here. Chris Carlin, it's at Chris Carlin on Twitter and at that guy Carlin on Instagram, by the way. So Hal said he's not selling. I think he rushed a bit there a little bit. It was a little early when he said that. You got to start seriously looking. And I know Jeff Passan brought it up before the, uh, the ESPN game last night, but he dangled Judge out there. 
Is Sanchez at the height of his maybe value? Do you try to get something and start building again? Or do you try to get one guy? I mean, this is what I need to know, Chris. This was the biggest question I needed to ask you. What are the Yankees going to do, especially with these 16 games around the All-Star break with the Astros, the Red Sox, the Phillies, and the Rays? What the hell does this team do? I don't want to be negative here, but I, I think they're going to end up selling, and I think it's the only way to go. I, I don't blame Hal for not wanting to go over the luxury tax threshold when I don't think throwing money at this problem is going to fix it. No, I, right. I really don't. And no. I think what people don't understand about that is, you know, you do that. Let's say you brought on $30 million in payroll. You're really bringing on 45 because- you have to pay the 50% on that for this year. And that's why they do go over the, the number um, two out of every three years to get this reset. And this is one of those years where they need to get it reset. So I don't blame them for that. And I have to look hard at, am I going to sign Aaron Judge long-term? Am I going to sign Gary Sanchez long-term at the end of next year for both? For Judge, and listen, I get it. He's a baseball player, but he's older. And he is not too far off from getting to the point where he's not going to be playing the outfield. I mean, I think we're probably three years away from that. So then you have two designated hitters. And you could thank Stanton for that. And that guy, I I can't even begin to start on that guy. Constantly hearing the announcer saying you can't start him on the base pass because you're afraid he's going to hurt his lower half. He can't play the field. He's, He's a strictly DH. When Sanchez is on fire, he's on the bench because Cole needs a personal catcher. The team's a mess. It really is. It's a mess. And that's why I think hitting the reset button here is probably the best way to go because I just don't see where a lot of this is changing, but I do believe. Okay. So do you bring somebody else in to change their approach? Uh, You know, they haven't made a change. They don't want to make a change in their coaching staff. Listen, I like their coaching staff. I like Marcus Timms. You know, personally, these guys are great guys. Do you bring somebody in to change their approach? You just mentioned the Astros. The Astros are, are first in the American league, hitting 273 as an average. You look at their strikeouts, look at the players that they have. They have contact hitters. Contact hitters are tougher to strike out. They're tougher to set up. They make adjustments at the plate. I faced a number of, that's the toughest guys that I had to face. Ones that, you know what, they're going to foul you off. They're going to foul off your nasty pitches and they're going to get something that you're going to make a mistake with and they're going to drive it somewhere. The Yankees are really easy to pitch to. For one, they're predominantly right-handed and right-handed guys, right-handed teams never really have great success during the season or even into the playoffs. You need left-handed power. They don't have contact hitters. Maybe Judge, maybe Urshela, and that's it. And, and LeMahieu a little bit, but he's really struggling this year. Maybe he's feeling the pressure or whatever it is. But they have too many guys that want to hit the ball at the ballpark and they don't make contact contact in certain situations they're very easy to pitch to yeah i think the organization needs a reset and i look at it top and listen it's an easy thing to say fire brian right and i don't love to throw out firing everybody but it's 23 years or 22 years at this point and this is not i don't understand how if i'm how i'm looking at other teams spending nowhere near what i'm spending and ending up where they are And the fact that whatever it is, the organization does not have a bunch of high-level guys who are ready to go. Um, I would look at at that. How are we ranked near the bottom third of baseball when you look at organizational rankings? How's that possible? And I know they draft lower, but so do the Dodgers. So do some of these other teams that have players ready to go. I I think that it's time for... um, some new evaluators and some new people here and uh, a new 
just a new approach all the way around, Nelly. I, I really do. Before we let Carlin go, we got to compliment his That's Baseball Susan shirt, which <laughs> I always think of when I'm pissing at Yankee Stadium because I hear them both in the background as I piss. So great shirt, Carlin. Well, I, I do what I can. So, <laughs> fashionista is a word that has often been thrown around in these parts. So. Same. Same. Welcome. Yeah. Same. <laughs> uh, and before, I, before we let you go, can I just have one moment with you where we send our respects oh, to the great Ned Beatty. So devastated. Yes, we were so both devastated. devastated because we are huge Superman fans growing oh. up, me and Carlin. And I don't know how many times we either texted, tweeted, or called each other and just said Otisburg and hung up. <laughs> So that um, scene where he where Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor is showing the new the new West Coast Casa de Lex Lutherville Otisburg Otisburg it's just a Miss Teschbacher she's got her own little place Otisburg oh God bless you Ned Beatty God bless you yes people remember you beyond deliverance my friend yes and God and 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 God bless you Mr. Carlin we we appreciate the time once again it's at Chris Carlin on Twitter at that guy Carlin on Instagram one of the funniest guys I know and one of the best humans I know Chris thanks a lot brother we appreciate it get out more will you That says goodnight to episode 67, the Matt Blake edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Please dive into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. For Jeff Nelson, the four-time World Series champion, I'm Chris Sheeran. We are back on Thursday following the first two games of the Yankees series in Seattle. Thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod. Until next time, happy trails, everybody.